Blog Talk Radio.
to honor her cold case work. Now, Sonova is using her study and experience to inspire, motivate, and educate her audience. Sonova's life coaching includes elements of NLP, practical psychology, ancient principles, and biochemistry. You can live a more abundant life and enjoy the journey. On these episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals who will assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our common participants. The trauma-informed perspectives of survivor professionals help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone's invited to engage on tonight's show. And the way that you can engage is to call in. The phone number is 646-595-2118. And I'll answer the phone. I'm Annie, and I'll welcome you into the show. And with that, I'm going to turn the show over to tonight. Thank you, Annie. I appreciate you reading that every week and and uh, running through that bio. Every time I hear it, I think, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to shorten that. That uh, poor woman's going <laughs> to going to not have enough oxygen because you can't get through it. But uh, I I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of such a wonderful community of survivors and those that are learning how to live again and those that are. Uh, maybe further in the journey and are reaching back to help other people up. I absolutely love it. I I know the founder, uh, Mr. William Murray, is on the line as well. Uh, Thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Um, Now, if you have a question or a comment or you would like to join in, uh, there is a phone number you can call. I will run it out real quick. It's uh, 646. 595-2118, 646-595-2118. Now that is a phone number that you can call in and just listen through your cell phone or you can call in and actually press 1 and get in the queue and Miss Annie will uh, field your call and get you through to uh, me and you can ask your questions. So uh, that is the number if you would like to uh, if you would like to call in. Now tonight's topic that I have, I always try to come up with a topic just because um, you never know how many people are going to call in, and we've got 90 minutes to fill. So the topic is finding joy after trauma. But if you have something you want to speak about, don't hesitate to go ahead and call. Uh, the topic is is something to fill time. We are more interested in hearing from you and helping you uh, with your journey. And so this is all about you. This is uh, something that that uh, Mr. Murray uh, created to help those that are struggling. And uh, it's a wonderful program. Speaking of wonderful programs, I do want to uh, tell you about something new that I have just come across. I was uh, doing some other programs. I was on a um, a live show um, called Changing Times on Wednesday morning, and the co-host there was filling in 
for the man that I usually talk to on that show. And he, he has a charity organization that um, I had not heard of, and it fits right in line with what NASCA stands for. Um, it is called neversuicide.org. And he has a passion for helping those that are uh, dealing with suicidal tendencies. And uh, so I would suggest if you have those kinds of thoughts or feelings uh, you belong here, you you are, have a purpose for being here, and uh, let us help you. If, you. if you are struggling with that, don't struggle alone. It's called neversuicide.org. Of course, there's suicide hotlines. If you go to the NASCA website, you will find all sorts of help there. The concept is you are not alone. You're not the only one who's been through this, unfortunately. There are people that are further down their recovery journey that are more than welcome to give a uh, you know a shoulder to lean on to cry on. Um, there's more than there's so many people in this program that is willing to to help you find joy again. And so, Miss um, Annie, just let me know if somebody comes on and wants to talk. Just feel free to interrupt. Um, I yes, am yes, I am a professional I'll, speaker, so you'll have to just interrupt me because I'll talk for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we do have on the phone Cricket and Philip as well as Bill. So uh, when you're ready, Phillip we can call on them. Cricket and I'm what sorry? was the other name? Philip. You said Cricket Phillip and Philip and Bill. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay, well, uh, Cricket and Philip and uh, Bill, thank you all for being on. I know that there's so many people that listen, but they're afraid to call, so I appreciate those of you that um, put on your brave face and go ahead and dial in. Uh, Cricket, uh, do you have anything you would like to, to share or say before we get started with our topic? Yeah, actually, I just want to put a reminder out there. Um, if you're having a mental health crisis, call 988. That's the new um, hotline for mental health issues. And since you were just talking about suicide, I wanted to put that out there also because it's not out as much as it should be. Yeah, I actually had trouble dialing through on that. Um, I'm, I'm assuming they've got their call lines uh, fixed by now. Uh, so make sure you dial 988 and if for some reason it doesn't work for you try again don't don't give up on it because you you are supposed to be here uh philip did you have anything you would like to say before we get started are you there philip are you there Hello. Would you like here. to say um, anything? Um, no, thank you. Okay. All right. Now, forgive me if uh, if I interrupt. I do apologize. There was quite a bit of a lag, so I apologize. I do not intend to talk over anybody. So uh, you can just uh, talk and say, so now, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> and I'll, I'll hold on. So um, the concept for tonight is finding joy after trauma. Now, what we need to understand is, that there is joy that you can find after trauma, and it is okay to find that joy. Now, we have so many people who have been victims 
of different violent crimes and uh, victims of, of uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and yet we feel like somehow we take that onto ourselves and we refuse to step out and find joy again because somehow down deep we feel like we deserve, we, we deserve it. And that is not true. Now, if you have been a victim of some kind of violent crime, you aren't the abuser. You are, it, the guilt doesn't lie with you. The shame doesn't lie with you. It lies with the abuser. And so this is what we need to understand as victims of, you know, of a past, uh, a past victim uh, scenario, we want to make sure that we don't take that on ourselves. We want to make sure that, that we put that blame where it belongs, and then we need to work through the emotions that are tied to it. Now, um, if you got to watch me on the Changing Times show, I, was, I gave a kind of a visual uh, concept of what happens in our subconscious mind, and I'm going to give it here. So if you've heard it before, I apologize, um, but this is for those NASCA listeners who haven't heard this before. In our minds, we have two segments, two major segments in our mind. You have the conscious and the subconscious. The conscious only controls about 5% of what goes on in our bodies, what goes on in our lives, how we react to things. It controls 5% of our lives. And we think the, the conscious mind controls everything. In reality, the subconscious controls 95% of our existence. So 95% of our decision-making, 95% of our behavior, 95% of our emotions and our thought processes all are controlled by the subconscious mind. Now, what's scary about that is when you have trauma in your past, there is something lurking in the shadows of your subconscious that is controlling everything you do, whether you realize it or not. And I call this a trauma trunk. Now, you go up into some dusty old attics. I'm sure uh, most of you have probably been in an attic. It, it's usually very dusty. There's cobwebs. There's shadows in the corners. It's a little creepy, you know. Um, but you go up in that attic, and you can see the things that are lit up by the light. And it's usually, you know, there's a few things, that, a few uh, memories and all the fun stuff here. But the thing is, what's hiding back behind in those shadows is the trauma trunk. Now, that trauma trunk is controlling so much of your existence until we work with it. Now, we push that to the back. We try to hide it. We try to ignore it. We try to say it's not there, but it's still there controlling 95% of what we do. Now, see, everything in your subconscious mind is placed there by things uh, that maybe we didn't even pay attention to, our life experiences, past, you know, our family's life experiences, stories we're told, the society we're raised in. But what is really emotional will be stuck to that floor and unremovable. So the more emotion that you have in a certain experience, the harder that trunk is to move. Now, what is more emotional than a traumatizing experience? 
there isn't anything that's much more emotional than that. And so you have this trauma trunk hiding back behind all of these boxes, hiding in the shadows that it's nailed down so hard to that floor, you're never going to get it out. But the problem is that emotion is what's tying it there. Now, we have to get to the point where we can walk up to that attic, we can clear out everything that we have stuffed in front of our past, We've got to get to the point where we can sit in front of that trunk, open it up, and just give it space. See, I was one of those, um, you know, I have had some traumatic experiences in my past, and if you've listened to previous episodes, you know what that was about. But uh, I am a fighter, and I know Cricket on here, she, you know, uh, she knows me pretty well, and, uh, and we've been friends for a while, and I know she's a fighter. And so I fight against it. You know, I, I, I do everything I can to ignore it. I do everything I can to process it. I do everything I can to rip that trunk out. But the more we fight against something, the more emotion we are giving to that, the harder we are nailing it to the floor. And so all of these years that I've been fighting, all of these negative thoughts, all of these uh, limiting beliefs, every time I'm fighting all of this uh, inferiority complex because of the trauma I faced as a child, the more I fight it, I'm literally nailing it to the floor for more. And so here all of these years, I'm almost 43 years old, the trauma happened when I was about seven or eight, um, and so all of these years, I've just been nailing it harder to that floor. I didn't understand that I have to sit in front of it. I have to open it, and I have to let it be. See, that's so hard, so hard to say, I'm just going to sit here and let that be there. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to say that it was okay, but I am choosing to be okay. And so what we have to do is sit there and let that horrible thing be the horrible thing in that trunk. And we have to slowly disconnect our emotion from it. We have to choose that it's not going to rule my life anymore. And that is such a hard process to do. But once we do that, we can literally learn how to live again. We can learn to have joy again. We don't have to sit in front of that trunk and say, it was okay that this person hurt me. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What happened was horrible. What happened was not right. What happened was absolutely wrong. You absolutely did not deserve it. But you have to choose to let that trunk just be and not nail it down any tighter than it already is. And so this is where it comes to a point where you have to make that choice. You have to make that conscious and subconscious choice to say, there's a trunk over there that I don't like to look at. It's absolutely wrong. It's filled with, it's filled with so much pain, but it's over there and it's there. I can't remove it. I can't fight it, but I'm not going to be so emotionally attached to it. Now, that's a process that takes some time, but we have to be willing to do it or 
this is something that I've learned recently in my study of how the brain works because I'm continuing to study. Your subconscious doesn't know the difference between the actual traumatic event and the retelling of it. And so this is what's so scary. Every time we go back through that negative pain cycle and start dwelling on that and start opening that box and crying again, our subconscious doesn't know the difference. So it sends our body through that trauma cycle again. So you were traumatized when you were seven or eight. Here you are almost 40, 43, whatever, and you are letting that pain cycle send you through the same trauma according to your body. Biochemically, your body's going through the same trauma cycle again. And I'm like, holy cow, how many hundreds of times have I re-traumatized myself? How many hundreds of times have I let that abuser hurt me again? Now, all of this is easy to say, and I'm not telling you that I'm completely uh, detached from my trunk of my, of my trauma, but I am telling you that this is something that I'm actively working on. And I've always told everybody when I started life coaching, I said, look, I'm not a life coach that has everything together. I'm telling you as a life coach what I've been studying and what is helping me with my issues. And I'm just sharing it with you. And so this is what I want you guys to understand. We've got to find a way to detach that trunk from our emotions. And once we do that, there's a freedom in that and a power and a strength in that that will overwhelm you at times. You know, when you look back and you say, wow, that trunk was horrible. That trunk was a nightmare. But it doesn't, it doesn't affect me the same way. My body's not going through that trauma cycle again. Why do you know? I can sit here and look at this and say, that was horrible, but I'm okay. And when you get to that point, there's a freedom there that, that so many victims never get to. And I, I, that's why I love being a part of NASCA because they, they constantly are working and finding ways uh, you know, to help people through that cycle to where they can help somebody else. And I absolutely love that. Uh, is there anybody else on the line, Annie? Yes, we have uh, Cricket and Bill and another caller who did not identify. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> I always like to check in. I always like to check in because... Um, I try to write down the names so I can remember. Um, does anybody have a comment about about that? Do you have a comment about your trauma trunk or, uh, you know, the tr whole concept of the trauma trunk in general? I think I've learned to separate it a bit mm -hmm. as the years have gone by. Like I can talk about it. I don't feel the emotions. Writing about it, I feel the emotions, um, right? Because see, see the visual, right? Um, right. But yeah, you just gotta keep, keep fighting. And I, I, I used to think that because I never went to a high school dance. I, you know, all those those things that kids do in high school, I never did. And I always thought, well, 
those years are gone, then I'll never enjoy anything, you know. But that wasn't true because I did um, started going out and going dancing, and it it was just the same feeling that I would think I would feel if I went to a dance. So mm-hmm. you you just because things didn't happen in your childhood doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. Uh, anybody else have a comment they want to share before I go on to the next point? Okay. Well, this is what I want uh, to start with. First of all, you have to decide to find joy. It doesn't magically appear. Now, I wrote a song, and I I haven't had a song come to me in almost 10 years. I wrote 23 songs um, about a decade ago, and I just never had another one come to me. And while I was uh, renovating a, a, I'm renovating an old RV and making it into my own she shed slash my own uh, private office, and so uh, while I was doing that, uh, just two lines of a song popped in my head, and I was like, "Wow!" Well, I ended up finishing it out, and, and I'm I'm pretty proud of it. I haven't um, I haven't been able to record it or anything yet, but uh, the last line in in uh, the last couple lines is, "Happiness is something you have to design. It won't come to you and give you peace of mind." And see, I think sometimes we forget that happiness is something we have to create within us. Happiness comes from inside. It doesn't come from outside. You know, we think, well, you know, if I achieve certain things, I will be happy. If I get that new car, I'll be happy. If I find a spouse that loves me, I will be happy. Um, And that is one major trap that causes reoccurring victimhood because we think we're looking for validation in our significant other when in reality, we're the only one that can really validate ourselves. And so when we can't, when we feel unvalidated, we're reaching out externally for all these validations and it doesn't happen. Your spouse is going through their own issues, your significant other, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, they're going through their own things. And if they don't validate themselves, and they're having a hard time validating themselves, how are they going to validate you? And see, this is where uh, a lot of times victims will get re-victimized because they're looking for that external healing, that external validation, that external um, I am worthy of love. And in reality, it comes from inside. And so they end up picking out another abuser, another abuser, another abuser, because they have this error in their thinking that that person is going to love me and then I'll be happy. That person is going to treat me better and I will be happy. And then you find out that that person is, is uh, you know, an abuser worse than the last one you had. And then you are less validated than before. So you end up, it's like digging yourself a pit and falling in it. Because you can't find joy, validation, happiness, peace. You can't find any of those things externally. They all come from inside. And so the first thing we have to decide is that we are going to find joy again. 
We're going to find uh, happiness. We are going to design it for ourselves, you know, and this is something that we need to understand. Um, this is a quote by Ralph Mar Marston. He says, happiness is a choice. It's not a result. Nothing will make you happy until you choose to be happy. Now, how many people do you know that are absolutely, they are never happy with anything? And every time you call them on the phone, they're like, whoa, is me. And you're thinking, good grief. You know, you have somebody that has great news, and they call you to tell you everything bad about that great news. And you're like, what? If that happened to me, I would be flipping out exciting. You know, um, we need to understand that happiness is something we have to choose for ourselves. We have to design it for ourselves. And so once we make that choice, then we can actively go on to the next step of finding that happiness and that joy and creating what makes us happy. We can go ahead and create the validation within ourselves so we don't seek it from somebody else. We can find all of that and create it for ourselves. And then the next time a, a, a person comes in your life and you are already self-validated, you'll find you attract a different type of person to you because that person is looking for someone just to love and to be with and to be happy and not someone that is needing him or her to validate them, you know. And so you'll find you bring in a different type of person when you find that inner joy in yourself. And so this is why I think it's so important that we talk about this, especially in groups of of, of previous victims. And the reason why I say previous victims is because I don't think you need to keep that label, but I don't have the ability to tear that label off. I can just encourage you and inspire you. You have uh, you have the ability to tear that label off and and plop a new one on there. You know, uh, take the victim label off and put survivor. Put the victim label off and put warrior. You know, put put all of those good labels on and start ripping off those bad ones because you aren't, you don't have to stay that. You don't have to accept a, a label that someone else puts on you. You have the choice of keeping it or discarding it. And so this is what I want you guys to understand. I think I did a whole show on labels here a few months back. But uh, this is what I want you guys to, to do every day. You need to actively choose happiness. Now, you can be happy in spite of everything around you, okay? There is an old proverb that says, in everything, give thanks. And you're like, well, how am I supposed to give thanks for the fact that I was victimized as a child? You can't. That is absolutely ridiculous. You can give thanks despite that, in spite of being a victim as a child, in spite of the bad things, you can turn around and find things to be grateful for and thankful for and happy about, not the bad things. Because I don't know about anybody, I've not found anybody that can be happy when they break their leg. I don't know anyone that can be happy when they when when horrible trauma hits them. I don't know anybody that can be happy about that specific thing. But you can be happy 
in spite of it. And that's what I want you guys to, to choose to do. And, and if you're struggling with this concept, I want you to go and take a, um, a dry erase marker, take a dry erase marker and write on the top of your bathroom mirror every day in every way. I'm getting better and better. Now, I wish I had come up with that saying, but I did not. I read it in Norman Vincent Peale's book, and, and he wrote hit that book back in the 60s, and it was crazy. I was reading it, and it sounded like he was talking about today. But he goes into the ta- concept of how if you say, I'm okay, I'm okay when you're not, your subconscious says, oh, that's a lie. When you say, I'm skinny when you're fat, your subconscious says that's a lie, kicks it out. When you say, I'm not a victim and you had been a victim, uh, your subconscious will throw that out as a lie. But if you change it into an active phrase, like in every way, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better, your subconscious just accepts that because it can't put out the fact that you're not trying and doing better. You know, you're trying to do better every day. You're trying to find joy every day. You're trying to find happiness every day. And eventually, you keep saying that over and over to yourself again, over and over. You are going to get better every day. So it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing. In every, every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. And that applies to whatever your goals are. And so this, that little rhyme is actually so powerful, people don't even realize it. Um, Anybody else on the phone, Miss Annie? Uh, Cricket is still with us, and I believe Bill is here. Perfect. Okay. Do you have anything you'd like to say, Cricket or Bill? Are you guys still there? I'm having trouble with my microphone. Okay, yeah. Okay. All right. You can can put, when, when I was a daycare teacher and I was studying all kinds of stuff, I realized that if I went in the room and said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have a headache, guess what? I'm going to have a headache. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what I want to, um, I want you guys to see this, um, why it's important to try to reconnect to joy and try to find happiness again. You say, well, you know, my life has been so horrible. Maybe you've done horrible things in the past. Maybe maybe you've been victimized and your life was horrible. I don't know what the past is. But the reason why you need to try to find joy and happiness is found within your own brain, within your own body. Every time you find a moment of joy or happiness, your brain releases two neurotransmitters called dopamine and serotonin. Okay, These are two biochemicals that your brain flips out with every... Um, I don't know, there's a little bit of background noise, so if we can mute, that'd be great. Um, Every time you have these positive thoughts, every time you find something that makes you happy, every time you have this joy, you literally give out these two chemicals. Now, 
Dopamine and serotonin, they give the feeling of happiness and joy and connectedness. They also are a natural painkiller. So every time you find joy, for just five, ten minutes, you are putting good hormones into your body that are literally going to help you feel better. So by actively making yourself have some joy through the day, you're actively making yourself feel better, which will bring more joy. And so it will compound. It's like compounding interest. It's going to build up over time. And so this is what we need to understand. Um, there was a um, there was a, a few different scientific studies that I have found, but uh, the benefits of joy on the body are amazing. For those that practice joy, and and practice, you know, happy happy thoughts, you know, try to have some kind of happiness every day for so many minutes a day, 10, 15 minutes. The, the joy in your body will change your chemicals, and then those chemicals will literally boost your immune system. Someone who is happy all the time literally makes more T cells. Those T cells are what fights off diseases like cancer and, and horrible things like that. So literally, the more joyful you are, the more T cells your body makes, the more your immune system can fight off deadly diseases. So there is one thing. You're, it also fights stress and pain because those two chemicals, dopamine and serotonin, they help relieve uh, pain. They help relieve pain in, that, in the body, but they also help relieve your stress because they relax the body and they relax and they when you have an overdose of dopamine and serotonin, it clears out some of the cortisol in your system, which is a stress hormone, okay? So you literally can replace some of the stress with some happy hormones. So you're literally taking the part, your body only has so much room for these things. So you're literally kicking out some of the bad and putting in some of the good. So um, it also supports longevity. The people that actively choose joy uh, are statistically live longer than than those that are constantly negative and in a in a negative state. So we this is something that it could literally increase your lifespan. It lowers your heart rate and your blood pressure. So when you have these this this uh joy mindset, when you choose happiness, you are literally choosing life. And I tell people that have been, you know, abused, I tell them, I say, listen, that abuser, if I say the right word, you can picture that abuser perfectly in your in your mind. Now, that's because you are so emotionally connected to the trauma. You can see every detail. Well, here's the thing. What would you do if that abuser came back to you and wanted to take more from you? I would hope you would be strong enough to say absolutely not. Now, you're giving them more every time you go through that trauma cycle. You're giving them more. You might as well cut off your hand and hand it to them because you're giving them part of you. You're giving them part of your life, part of your existence on this earth. You are giving them you. And so I say it's time to get angry. Say absolutely not. You will not take more from me. I'm going to be happy. Whatever it takes, I'm going to be happy. Now, of course, within reason, you don't want to take some kind of narcotics that give you a false sense of happiness because that will kill you faster than anything. But you can choose to be happy. 
And this is what I tell people. Choose what's going to give you life because someone has stolen enough of it. Don't let them take any more. Absolutely not. Refuse. Say, you can't have no more of me. And every time you allow yourself to go through that trauma cycle, you're giving it to them again. And they don't even know it, but you're giving them more. And so we need to try our best to find joy. Now, this is something that I am very passionate about because I tell people, I say, you cannot, you cannot be happy for the negative, but you can be happy in spite of the negative. Now, this is something that I I, I tell people, I said, uh, I've been studying laughter therapy. Now, laughter therapy was something that was created or brought, you know, into the public eye by a man named Norman Cousins in 1964. Now, he had this really deadly disease of, uh, it was a connective tissue disease. It was a collagen disease. Um, it uh, basically, his spine was going to start fusing itself together and he was going to have to decide if he was going to die and live the rest of his life laying down flat or if he wanted to live the rest of his life sitting up because his his bones were going to fuse together and he wasn't going to be able to do nothing about it. He was going to die extremely slowly, extremely painfully, and there was no hope for this man. Well, he had been studying biochemistry and studying how the brain works and responds to different things. And he had a friend that was a doctor, and he was in the hospital, and everything around him was death. Everything was doom. Everything was gloom. It was no no peace there whatsoever. So he told the doctor, since he was dying anyway, I'm going to check into a hotel. Will you come check on me a couple times a day? And his friend was the doctor, and he's like, well, I, I, I he didn't want to, but he agreed to it because Norman Cousins says he was going to leave with or without his permission. So he did this. He made sure his bedroom in this hotel was nice and quiet and peaceful. He made sure it was it was happy as he could be. He put up, you know, he had his loved ones bring in everything happy he could find. And he spent all day long watching comedy videos. Uh, he had the nurses, you know, a nurse would come in and check on him once a day, have them reading the comic books um, because at, at one point he couldn't, you know, he couldn't do anything like that. He found out, even though at one point they were giving him the equivalent of 23 or 27 aspirin in a 24-hour day, um, trying to maintain his pain with morphine and everything else. So uh, he found that if he laughed really hard for 10 minutes, he would sleep peaceably for two hours without pain. And He's like, that was enough for him to decide he was going to try this strange idea he had. Well, he ended up uh, taking massive doses of laughter therapy and massive doses of vitamin C. He ended up walking out of that hotel slash hospital. He ended up living, I believe, for another 30-something years. Um, and he, he never had that connected tissue disease again. And he became a firm believer in everything. Well, now, fast forward are the, all these decades later, and laughter therapy and, and uh, you know, all of these things, biochemical reactions in the brain and everything, all of that has become mainstream science. But this is something that we need to understand. We have the ability to do this. This is something that we can do. 
And so I have been trying um, to actively take 15 minutes a day and listen to comedy. Now, some of the comedy is better than others, and, and I laugh more at some and, and less at others. But just taking that 10, 15 minutes a day has made a massive difference. Now, the days that I forget to do it, I am a whole different human being. It is a drastic change. And this is what I want you guys to understand. I'm not telling you this from a science standpoint. I'm not telling you this from a life coach standpoint. I'm telling you this from day-to-day activity that I have done for myself. My life has been a living nightmare for the last two years because we have lost my father-in-law and we had to uh, put our house up for sale and we've had to try to build another house and move to the family farm and it's just been non-stop chaos for two years. And so I'm telling you from one person to the next person, I'm doing this. And when I don't, it makes a huge difference. And so I, I am, I'm telling you this just to share from my own personal experience. There is a difference in me when I do this. And it's drastic enough, my husband and my kids can see when I don't. They can see the days that I don't. They're like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with mom, you know? And and so this is why it's so important to me to, on especially on this group, to tell you how drastically just 15 minutes of joy can give you. Now, you may not like comedy. You might like you know, there, you may be someone that likes to be out in nature. You might be someone who likes to take pictures and you're a photographer. You might be someone who likes to uh, plant flowers. You know, there's something healing by getting your hands out in the dirt, um, you know, getting connected, you know, grounded with that nature again. There's something that literally can heal the human psyche out there in the dirt. You know, but we spend so many times indoors. So, but this all takes an active choice and effort to go after this. And so it's up to us to make that initial decision to say, I'm going to live again, and I'm not going to let him or her, a.k.a. abuser, take any more from me. I'm not going to let anybody, maybe they're not an abuser, maybe they are just so uh, so energy draining that you have to say, I love you, but I need you, you know, I love you over there. You know, you don't have to do, um, you don't have to spend time. You know, we we were talking about this back uh, at the Christmas season, how you are not required to go to all of the events just because family is there. You know, a lot of times the abuser in our childhood was extended family. And so that's the last thing you want to do, but you feel pressured even as an adult. You don't have to do that. If someone is draining your energy and your life, just sucking the life out of you, you don't have to be with them all the time. You know, this is this is a concept that we have to kind of get through uh, and understand. Now, another statistic says 20 seconds of deep laughter doubles the heart rate as much as if you had done three minutes of intense rowing exercises on a rowing machine at the gym. So 20 seconds of laughter can literally uh, increase your heart rate as if you worked out at the gym on a rowing machine. So, I mean, that's pretty pretty exciting. So uh, they have a program in, uh, it's not in AA, I didn't write down the name of the program, but they have some programs for addicts 
and they are showing that laughter therapy makes a huge difference in their recovery from addiction because laughter therapy is literally healing their their bodies as well as their minds while they're going through this recovery process. So laughter therapy can literally speed up the recovery process from being a victim or being an addict or just getting in that negative trauma cycle. And so this is what we want to understand. When we focus on on the good, we can literally build a new habit, and the new habit can literally become the joy and become the happy. And we've built the terrible habit of going back through that trauma cycle over and over again, and then that's become a habit. And uh, so we can actively make the choice to build a new habit. What? How wonderful would it be if we have built a joy habit? You know, they, they call them habit loops. What if we could build a habit loop to where every time we're triggered negatively, we automatically switch over to that happiness loop? You know, instead of we get triggered and we go through that trauma cycle again. You know, it may take us two or three days to get over it. I have fibromyalgia and I'm a very empathic person. So when I go through that trauma cycle, it takes me three days to physically get rid of the pain in my body because it has manifested through the fibromyalgia and all of the health problems that I have. So it's like I literally that trauma cycle can last several days. What if we could fix a new loop and and fly around that loop 250 miles an hour, you know, like a race car, and it's nothing but joy and happiness? What if we could say, okay, here's a trigger, but I'm happy anyways, you know, see if you can catch me in this lightning fast race car here, you know? Um, and so, you know, I, I try to make those a uh, little bit of, you know, humorous analogies because a lot of times that's the thing you're going to remember most out of this. You're going to remember the visual stuff like the trauma trunk and the and the race car of joy. You know, so this is what I want you guys to, to think about. Um, does anybody else on the line, does anybody else have a comment? I'm going to grab a drink real quick. I'm unmuting the line so that people can comment. Would anyone like to comment or have a question for Sonova? Hi, this is Myra. Everybody I have a question. Okay, go ahead. I have a question, Sonova. This is Annie. Sure. I want you to teach me how to do a laughter therapy session at home. You said how what to do teach I do how to do laughter. What do you do yeah. for laughter therapy? Yeah. Laughter therapy is is something so simple and yet it's hard to build the new habit. Sometimes we expect things to be so difficult. And the more difficult they are, almost the more determined we become. When it's simple, it's real easy to not do. The simple thing is find what makes you happy and spend 15 minutes a day doing it. So, like I said, I've I've been listening to uh, I've been taking time to listen to comedy videos and anything that's going to make me laugh my head off. And so. I, I've been doing that. 15 minutes a day, I'll turn on some kind of stand-up comedian, and if I don't laugh within the first minute or two, I'll shut it off and find someone else because my concept is I need to laugh as much as I can in that 10 minutes. And so by doing that, I, I increase my 
all the good hormones in my body and I push out the bad ones. Also, I have found that um, I enjoy going to certain conferences and things. Um, I had kind of stopped and kind of started isolating myself because everything had been so traumatic. I had stopped doing all my book signing events. I'd stopped going to all the all the group things and joining this group and that group, and I kind of started isolating. So I found that I find joy in meeting other people. So I went ahead and, and I have joined two new groups and gone to all these conferences in the last few weeks, and I texted my husband while I was gone, and I said, you know, I forgot how much I enjoy this. Uh, I forgot how much I, I love this. And and I said, I, I forgot that I was kind of a sociable person. And he goes, yeah, that's, that's kind of your thing, you know. And he's like, it's, it's fun to be in a group of like-minded people, you know. One thing that he likes to do is he likes to go metal detecting. And I don't understand it. I couldn't do it. But he likes to take his metal detector and find all kinds of, you know, metallic treasures everywhere. You know, sometimes he'll find a gold ring. Sometimes he'll find all kinds of coins. You know, you never know. A lot of times he finds those pop tabs because people are rude and throw their pop cans and their pop tabs out. Um, you know, so he'll he'll actually pick up trash and help the environment, you know. But to him, that is his something he loves to do. He loves to be out in nature. He loves the quiet. He loves the thrill of digging something up. You know, and then he likes to show it off to his friends. So he's in some groups for metal detectors, you know. And so your brand of laughter therapy probably won't look like somebody else's. Um, Now, I'm trying to build this house, uh, get this house built for us and get my family settled. And when that happens, I'm going to be out there planting flowers and, and building flower beds and doing landscaping because I love having flowers around my house. You know, so uh, your joy, your laughter therapy, your uh, reconnecting to joy may look different than mine. But the concept is to put it in your calendar, whether you do the paper calendars or you do it on your phone, set an alarm. Every day, at least 10, 15 minutes, set an alarm that you're going to do something that makes you happy for 15 minutes. And by doing that, you'll find, oh, I like that. Uh, you know, I have an extra 15 minutes later this afternoon. I'm going to do that again. You know, then you might find yourself joining a conference, a three-day conference, and you're sitting here going, how did I get myself into this? I just missed 30 wonderful women, and I'm sitting here going, how did I do this? Last year I was out of my mind hiding in my house because I didn't want to talk to nobody. You know, <laughs> so your your joy, your therapy will be different than other people's. But the concept is to make yourself do it every day, at least 10, 15 minutes. If you think about it, how much negative talk, self-talk do you hear? How much negative do you hear on the news? How much negative do you hear from your friends? Um, All of that is putting negative chemicals through your body. So, you know, if there's 24 hours in a day, how much negative chemicals have run through your system you, your body needs at least 10, 15 minutes of the good. You know, so this is not just that, you know, if I was a doctor, I'd be writing a prescription. You've got to have good chemicals through your body for at least 15 minutes a day, you know, um, because we have to combat all of the negative things that seem to flow through us daily. And that's where so I've got a, a comment here at side stuff. I must agree it takes time to get to that place, but you can get there to be happy and thankful in any circumstance 
even in daily living, don't let people steal your joy. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, people can steal our joy whether they intend to or not. You know, they could be energy drainers. They could be, you know, there's days where my husband knows that I have a hard time being sociable because I'm hurting, I'm emotionally because of my empathic personality. It could be all kinds of different things. But there's some days that I just need to step away and be by myself. There's days where I need to step away and, and just not be in a crowd. And that's where we need to understand that it's we've got to listen to our bodies. We've got to listen. And when our body says, okay, I'm tired, we need a break, it's time to step back and give it some good hormones. Go ahead and cycle through some good ones. If you like watching all the silly videos, um, uh, Amy was the one that says that. Yes, agreed. Don't let people steal your joy. There's a lot of people out there that do, whether they intend to or not. But what we need to understand is if we're doing this, you know, we, um, you know, as women, as mothers, as parents, as, as, as religious people, as Christians, as whatever, we're taught so much to do for others. And that is absolutely correct. But we take it to extreme to the point where we're do do doing for everyone else to our own detriment. And this is something that I have to deal with regularly. I have to sit back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I need a break. And it's okay for me to have a break. And this is something that's hard for me because I'm like so busy doing, doing, doing for everyone else. But we have to have this every day. You have to have at least 15 minutes of happy hormones going through your body or you're going to die early. There's just, you know, scientifically you, you look at everything. If you don't find some joy, you will die early. There's just no way around it because your body starts killing itself from the inside out from the overdose of cortisol and stress. So we've got to understand this. Now, there are specific ways that you can learn to reconnect with joy and find happiness again. Once we realize that it comes from inside, it's not from outside, uh, there's certain things you can do to help you find that joy and that happiness that you're looking for. You know, we talked about number one, you have to make the choice to. You have to say, it's okay. I am going to be happy again. Now, it's okay for you to be happy. You need to be happy. You know, we've established your body needs you to be happy. Your loved ones need you healthy and fit and strong mentally and physically both. You know, so it is something that you need uh, to have the quiet time. You need to have that. And that is something that you, I, I heard Jim Rohn say this once. He says, I will take care of me for you. And that was so powerful for me because I'm a mother of two kids. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Uh, and, and so I'm, like, trying to you know, be a homemaker, make the home. I'm trying to take care of the kids. I'm trying to homeschool the kids because uh, they both have some health issues and they weren't getting the education they needed. So I'm like, okay, well, I need something else to do. Bring them home. You know? uh, so but all of this is to the point where I am exhausted, but I still have to take care of everybody else. Well, in reality, I need to take care of me for my daughter. I need to take care of me for my parents. I need to take care of me for my spouse. I need to take care of me for you guys. I need to take care of me so I can take care of somebody else. And that's a concept that we've kind of forgotten in our society. 
self-care is not selfish as long as it's within its limits. You know, you don't need to get to the point where you're like, oh, time for self-care. I don't care if you're dying on the street. I've got to do my self-care. Now, that's ridiculous. But you do need to take care of yourself or you're going to end up not being able to take care of the ones you love. Something else you can do, I'm going to give you a few lists of little things that you can do to help you reconnect with joy. Learn to say no. Now, this is something that I uh, I have a hard time with. Um, I uh, Some people that I love have a hard time with it, and I would like to wring their neck and say, tell them no. Um, but until they get the strength to say no, it doesn't do me any good. Um, but other people, everyone lives within a world that they are the center of, their own universe. That is just the way we're hardwired as human beings. I don't believe it was intended to be that way at the beginning, but I think that's the way it is now. Now, in our realities within our minds, we are the central focus. We are the sun and everything orbits around us. Okay, That's one thing that you have to teach your children. The world doesn't revolve around you. Think outside of your own bubble, you know. But everyone still, to a, a certain degree, they do think about themselves. This is them, okay? So you have to understand when someone is overstepping and constantly asking more from you, it's not necessarily out of vindictiveness. It may not necessarily be anything intentional. They just know what they need, and they're looking for where they can find it, and you are available. Now, if you step back and be a little less available, they can find it somewhere else. And see, this is where we need to understand it is perfectly acceptable for you to say no. It's perfectly acceptable for you to say, look, uh, you need to find that somewhere else because I have to do this for my family. I have to do this for myself. I have to do this for, you know, whatever the reason. Because if you don't have that boundary set, someone's going to cross it. You know, if you don't have any fences around your field, and I know a lot of people I'm talking to are out on the coast and they're, you know, up north, and I'm from the south, so you may not have a field, <laughs> but just the visual concept here. If you don't put fences around your field, people are going to walk through your field. They're going to walk through your property. If you put, if you don't put any kind of any kind of barrier up, Everyone and everything. Now, I have a house in town that had an old alleyway running down the backside of the, of the property. Now, the city had decommissioned that alleyway before I was, I mean, before I ever lived there. And yet, there was no fence across it, so people still drove down it all the time, driving right down the back of my backyard all the time. And I'm like, that is not a road. But I didn't put a barrier up. So they could do what they wanted. And so this is the same concept we need to understand. We have to have boundaries or people will take advantage of us, maybe unknowingly, but they will go ahead and cross that place where you're not comfortable, but you don't have a visual a visual boundary up there. Um, and so they're going to cross it. And this is what we need to understand. Learn to say no. Uh, Amy says, yes, saying no is a must. There are some who take 
or suck so much from you, you have to learn to set a boundary to protect yourself from being drained and them stealing your joy. Absolutely. She's like, I love to take time out from the normal things. So for me, I love to go in the woods and clear out underbrush and make trails for walking and cutting wood in the winter. Yes, Amy has uh, some uh, some property um, over there, beautiful wooded property, and uh, she's she's kind of like me. She likes to be out in nature, be out in God's creation, and that's that is so something that lets you step away from the normal chaos. Something that lets you step away and find the quiet. Maybe it's not quiet outside. I mean, you can still hear cars go by. Um, you still hear the birds. You still the animals. You still hear, you know, um, whatever. But it's a mental quiet, and that's what we need to find. Um, the next one is uh, stop shooting all over yourself. Now, you have to be careful when you go to say that. You've got to really pronounce your your words. Should. Stop shooting all over yourself. How many times do we try to set up that boundary so someone doesn't drive through our yard, and yet we, oh, I shouldn't do that. I should have done this. I should have done that, until you take that boundary down, and then they start running over you again. See, a lot of times we we still, we, we finally get the strength to say no, and then we should all over ourselves until we finally back up, and we get run over again. So to help you find joy, you need to... Learn to say no. You also need to not should yourself out of your decision. Okay, so don't should yourself to death. Now, you know, we're talking to a group of people that are, are recovering victims of violent crime. Don't should all over yourself and say, well, I should have done this and that person wouldn't have hurt me. I should have done that and I wouldn't have been in that situation. I should. Don't should on yourself, okay? The past is the past. Throw it in the past. And get out there and find some joy. So don't don't allow don't allow them to run over you again. Okay. The next thing is clear mental clutter. Now this is something that I have to do in a very physical form as well. Mental clutter. When you start getting overwhelmed with too many projects, too many things to think about, and too many things to do, maybe I only do this because I have very spastic ADHD, but there are times where you have to actively take some of that out. You have to take all of that clutter, put it in one of those trunks and get rid of it, out of your mind, out of it, get it out. There's one thing that I did, um, very crazy thing, but it really helps. Periodically, I'll go through my email and I will unsubscribe from anything that I haven't opened in months. Because you get so many emails, you're just like, ah, I can't find the one I need. Well, that is mental clutter. That is mental clutter. Get rid of it. Go ahead and take the extra few minutes to unsubscribe from the things you don't need anymore. Do the same thing, you know, with, with your desk. If your desk is full of projects that you have to do, pick out the one or two projects you need to work on the most important, put the others in your desk. Well, they're still there, yes, but you're not seeing them. All of that mental clutter comes from that visual, oh, my gosh, i got so much to do, you know. So find ways to clear that mental clutter and take some joy. So, okay, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to, I'm going to get on there and I'm going to watch crazy cat videos that make me laugh for 15 minutes, okay? I don't care for crazy cat videos. They, you know, my daughter will sit there and just laugh so hard you can hear her all the way across the house and she's watching crazy cat videos, you know. 
So it, you find your own breed of happiness and comedy. Does somebody have a, I hear, hear some background noise. Does somebody have something they'd like to say before I jump into the next one? Sonova, I'd like to welcome Eunice on the line and, and see if she'd like to say anything. Uh, let me open the mic. And hello, everybody. Yeah, I've been listening. Um, I just got off work. I'm driving home. Yeah, and thank you so much to the speaker. Yeah, and I'd like to share a, a little bit. Just, go ahead. Um, I don't know. Go ahead. Um, yeah, go ahead. Unit, um, a survivor of sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse, and multiple perpetrators, survivor of rape. And, yeah, um, I'm getting a lot out of, of what the speaker is sharing. Um, but for me... Um, um, the way I started, really, um, I actually I started was when I uh, uh, when I shared about my abuse because I kept my secret, but um, my abuse a secret for decades. Actually, um, I started to open up the first time I went to a meeting when I was 50 years old. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I was excited two months, and I'm so excited. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I love my 60s a lot more than when I was younger. Um, yeah. It was a process. I don't think that I could, during my, that's the rules of my PTSD, my, my, my depression, you know, my, 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 um, just like cr- being crazy because mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping for decades, you know. I was having nightmares mm-hmm. constantly, and mm-hmm. I really had to get it. I had really to... Um, to, you know, like you have to um, to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You have to talk about it. You have to share about it before you could say, "Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah." You know, I could be happy. I could make a choice. I felt I didn't have a choice at that time, but now mm-hmm. I do, yep. and I am. Right. I am. I could. I could really say I am very happy. You know. Good. Um, I'm okay, I'm driving. I'm driving through a little. Beautiful, my favorite bridge here in Los Feliz, and it's amazing. And it brings me awesome. joy. Um, Enjoy yeah. it. So yeah. it, wouldn't, um, it wouldn't work with me like, oh, I'm going to choose this to make joy. Because at that time, I felt I was ugly. I was full of shame. If I told myself, mm-hmm. oh, I'm beautiful, I'm beautiful, I love myself, it brings me to that part. Affirmation, right. I don't believe, for, just for me. I don't believe in affirmations because if I say I'm beautiful, I'm happy, I love myself, the more it brings that part of me that says, oh, no, you don't. You hate yourself and you're right. really ugly. Right. So, yeah, that's why I said the best affirmation to do is uh, say in every day, every day and every way I'm getting better and better. Because you have this BS filter in your mind that if you outright say something that is absolutely opposite of the truth, your BS filter is going to say nope and kick it out. So you need to say every day and every way I'm getting better and better. You need to say I'm actively working on this. I'm actively working for my goals. I'm actively, you know, because there is that BS filter. And see, the whole concept is is you have to go up into that attic in your mind and you have to open that trunk filled with trauma, you know, and that is where the beginning starts where you actively say, I'm going to open this. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go to the meetings. I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to reach out for help. 
um, that is the act of opening that mind, that trunk, you know, that trauma trunk that's hidden in your subconscious. That is where that is. You have to open it before you can choose to be happy, before you can choose to disconnect from it, before you can choose to process it. You have to open it. And and this is where you, like you said, for, it, you know, up until your 60s, you had that trunk hidden in your mind, addict, hiding there, but you were not going to deal with it. You had to make one decision of saying, hey, I'm going to go open that thing up. And you had, you faced it, you you took it for what it was. And that is the very beginning of healing. That's the very beginning step. You, you know, before you can choose joy, before you can choose happiness, you have to make that choice to go in there and say, I'm going to open that thing. And that is, you know, that is where you began. You began to say, you know, in your, when you were 50-something, you said, okay, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to dust off that horrible pain I'm going to open that trunk. I'm going to talk to somebody and get some help. And that is literally the very first step. You can't be happy and joyful until you make that choice first. You know, this is uh, choosing to be happy and joyful is something that you have to do after you've made the choice to open that trunk in the first place. And so you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely right. You, for decades it sounds like for decades chose to leave that hidden up there in the cobwebs in the shadows of your of your mind and say i'm not dealing with that so the moment you chose to open it that's when you could start the healing process you could start the you know and now you're choosing joy you're driving through all these wonderful places you know when you choose uh, to process it then you can choose joy and happiness I'm not one of those motivational speakers that say, go stand in a garden of weeds and say, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. You know, there are weeds. You have to get down on your knees and you have to pull them up one by one or they're going to overtake your garden. And so uh, you're absolutely right. Thank you, Eunice, for, for calling in and commenting. Okay, so ways to reconnect to joy. Uh, we've gone through saying no. We've gone through stop shooting. We've gone through clear out mental clutter. Here is something that I absolutely love. Create a stop doing list. Instead of a to-do list, create a stop doing list. When you get to this point where you're trying to build um, a new foundation of joy and happiness and try to reconnect to that, there are going to be things that you need to stop doing. There's going to be things that you have to say, I will not, I will not do this anymore. I will not allow that person to be negative all the time. When they start being negative on the phone call, I'm going to find a reason to get off the phone call. I am going to stop letting their negativity into me. You know, so create a stop doing list. Maybe you need to stop going over there. Maybe you need to stop spending so much time. You say, well, Sonova, that's a family member. Well, they may be. They may be a family member. But that does not mean you're required to spend a certain amount of time with them every day, every week, every month. You know, you say, well, you're supposed to forgive. Yes, you do. You need to forgive. But forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Those are two whole different things. And so you've opened this trunk. You have decided to face the trauma. You have decided to work through it. You've decided to reconnect the joy. And yet you still feel obligated to spend so much time with someone who drains the energy from you. 
You've just wasted your time on all these other things. So you've got to create a stop doing list. Stop allowing other people to take your joy from you. Stop allowing them to drain your energy. Um, and so create a stop doing list and say, this is what I'm not going to do this week. This week I will not actively engage in negative propaganda in the news, or I'm actively not going to engage in that negative conversation with that person who drags me down every day. You know, uh, maybe you need to stop making the phone call to that person. Maybe you need to wait till they reach out to you. Um, but what you need to understand is there will be things, if you choose to find joy, there will be things you need to stop doing, and it's okay to make a list of that. Um, the next thing is play. Play. It's okay to be silly every once in a while. It's okay to play. It's okay to get down and and play in the dirt with your kids. You know, if your child's out swinging on the swing set, go out there and hang out with them, you know. My kids always, uh, they, they make a joke. I always tell people, I you know, they'll get in a little bit grumpy or whatever, and I say, oh, wait, I was supposed to be calm and mature mom. And they're like, no, no, you know. I like to be silly with my kids. I like to play. We like to goof around and, and have fun and laugh. It's okay to do that, you know. Um, it's okay to be that kind of parent or grandparent or friend. It's okay to be funny every once in a while. You know, maybe you like to draw um, and, uh, you, you're, you know, you're taking a class and they want you to draw it a certain way. Who says you have to? You know, I always tell my kids in art classes, like, there's no wrong in art class. It's art. Whatever's inside your soul needs to come out on the canvas. You know, maybe your soul is filled full of black tornadoes. Well, get to scribbling. You know, whatever it is needs to come out. That is art. That is the expression of what you are feeling at the moment. You know, so whatever whatever it is, if you like to play music, I've just recently picked my music back up because I got tired. I, I, I laid it down for a while and and I, I picked it back up and I was like, wow, I forgot how much I enjoy this, how much I can release the pain through the music. I can release the stress through the music. Whatever it is that is your thing, that's what you need to do. And uh, this is the reason why I, I chose this this week or this month. I, I come on once a month. I want you guys to actively choose to be happy. Now, don't, to, when you go to, to decide to find joy and happiness again, um, think about that little uh, song, oh, be careful little eyes what you see, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Well, that we think is just a childish song. You see those little monkeys that have their hands over their eyes or over their mouth or over their ears. That is so powerful and nobody even knows it. What we let into our mind is going to either create joy or it's going to destroy our joy. You can't be happy and listen to depressing uh, music all the time. You can't be happy and watch depressing things on the news. You can't be happy and have depressive paintings and pictures all around your house. What are you looking at? What are you, what are you seeing? You know, what are you... See, people don't realize this, but everything around us is imprinting in our subconscious, whether we know it or not, you know. And when we get emotionally connection, connected to it, it imprints it even bigger and harder. So what is in, what's in our peripheral vision, you know? 
sit there right now where you're at, look straight forward. What's in your peripheral vision? Is it something that causes you stress and anxiety? Is it something that is negative? Is it, or do you have the news that's nothing but death and decay and war and gloom and famine? Is that running in the background on your TV constantly? Is that what you're hearing when you're in the other room folding laundry? See, all of those things are going into your subconscious, whether we know it or not. Now, there was a time where I was having um, some problems with my teenage son. He was getting really depressed and stressed about some things, and and I won't go into details. It's just normal teenager stuff. But to him, it was the end of the world, you know, because, you know, he really liked this girl. Well, the thing is, is, I went, and he wasn't in the house, and I was like, where did he go? And I went outside, and I hollered for him, and I seen him. He was slunched over the, the steering wheel of his truck. And I opened the passenger door and out flooded this music that was so depressing. It made me want to cry just hearing it. And I told him, I said, son, you need to shut that off right now. He's like, mom, why? I said, because if you want to stay depressed, that's the perfect kind of music to do it. If you want to be happy, you need to change that to something else, you know. And people look at you like, oh, you're crazy, Sonova. That's ridiculous. Well, science has proved it. Science has proven that the music you listen to, depending on the beat, the rhythm, and the chord progression, it can literally change your energy levels. You know, I did a video here a while back on Monday Motivation about the energy field that our heart gives off. Your heart gives off an energy, an electromagnetic field that can be measured up to three feet around you in every direction. Now, when you're listening to something negative constantly and you're in a depressed state, that electromagnetic field vibrates at a lower frequency. When you are positive and you're happy and you're listening to something upbeat, that electromagnetic field literally vibrates and has a higher frequency that can be registered higher on certain machines. So this is what I want you guys to understand. All of this affects you. So if you want to find joy and reconnect to joy again, you need to clear out your environment. Clear out your environment of people sometimes. Clear out your environment of what you're seeing on the television or listening to on the radio. What are you looking at on Facebook? There are some people that I have literally unfollowed them on Facebook. I didn't unfriend them, but I unfollowed them because every single post, every single day is nothing but doom and gloom and the end of the world and you're going to die now. And uh, so sometimes you have to clear out your environment to reconnect to joy. All right, uh, we've got, I think, about eight minutes left. Uh, Annie, is there anybody online that would like to have a comment before we jump off. Well, let's see if Cricket has anything to say. How about you, Cricket? Well, I'm, I'm having trouble talking. Um, I'm enjoying hearing what you're talking about, Sonova, and it is so true. Like, even if you if you're around um, somebody who's depressed, that's going to bring your mood down or being around somebody wearing brown because it's a sad color. Yeah, people don't understand our energy rubs off on the people around us. They don't understand that that is very scientific. You know, I made a joke in one of my Monday motivational videos. I said, the hippies were right. It's all about the vibes, man. You know, and uh, I was making a joke (laughs) and being funny. You know, it's all about the vibes. 
you know. Um, but it really is. They See, when you go get an EKG on your heart, they're not measuring your heart. They're measuring the electrical output of your heart. They're measuring that rhythm. Now, they can actually, it's not an, uh, an EKG, it's an ECC. Um, it's a different type of machine. They can measure that same electrical current three feet from your body in all directions because of your electromagnetic field that your heart gives off. And so we need to understand that we may have been traumatized in our past, but we still can chemically change our bodies. We can chemically change our minds. We can literally energy-wise, we can change our bodies and our minds. We can physically change our structure and say, you can take your trauma and shove it, okay? Throw it back on the abuser and come back and say, I'm in charge of me. And so this is something that I wish our children were taught in schools. We are in control of what we think about. We are in control of what we have in our environment. We are in control of what we allow inside our, our mind, uh, in our bodies. You know, just down to every organ in your body has a, has a real, uh, uh, a real uh, slight electromagnetic field. So your heart has the biggest one but your brain has one, your, every organ, your liver has one. Uh, they've now got a new science out called, uh, called uh, what do they call it, biofield mapping, to where they are trying to figure out um, if they can somehow figure out where is a weak point in your electromagnetic magnetic field and see if it literally attaches to this organ or that organ, Eventually, in the future, I can clearly see that one day they will literally measure your energy field and say, oh, you have a weak point here, that means it's your liver. You know, you have a weak point here, that means it's your brain. You know, that they are so close to that science right now, it's ridiculous. But what I find so fascinating is, you know, biblically, says think on good things. Well, why? Well, you know, the almighty creator knows how you're fixed up, knows how you put together, you know. And say, like, look, I know if you think on good things, you're going to physically feel better because that's the way I designed you, you know. And so this is what we need to understand. We can't do anything about the past. We can't do anything about the fact that we messed up or we can't do anything about the fact that somebody hurt us. But we can change us physically now. And once we decide to do that, we can become so powerful that that abuser can't hurt us, you know, and that's what we want. We want to go from victim to vitality. We want to learn how to live again. We want to reconnect to joy. We don't want the abuser to steal any more from us. And that's, that's what I, uh, I think NASA is really all about. It's, it's about overcoming and becoming something more powerful. Um, you know, we always think, well, I've been broken, so I'm always going to be broken. I'm never going to be quite as good as I used to be. Well, that's absolutely not true. There are some things that are broken and repaired, and they are stronger than they were to begin with, and that's the way humans are. We're broken. We're put back together, and we are stronger in that point than we ever were before. And so we need to realize just because you were broken doesn't mean you're any less than it means that you are more powerful now. You are bigger, stronger, better now. You have the ability to become bigger, stronger, better. 
you know, but we have to go back to just like Eunice said, we have to go back and first make that decision to deal with it and to uh, choose to open that trauma trunk again. You know, we've got to open that up and start working on it. And we can literally build ourselves back stronger than before. All right, we've got three minutes. Anybody else have something to say? Yeah, well, I'll remember say thank that. you. Oh, sorry, Chrissy. Oh, Go ahead. Uh, um, when Zenova was talking about being broken, just remember cr- broken crowns color beautifully, too. They do. They do. I think it's the Chinese tradition. Um, the Chi- there's a Chinese tradition that when any kind of pottery or, or dishes or anything like that is broken, they mend it back together with gold because it's a, it's a symbol to remind us that when we are broken, we are more valuable afterwards. And I think it's a Chinese uh, I'll have to look it up and uh, maybe write an article on it. But it's symbolic, meaning we are worth more and we are stronger and better than before. Amy says that makes another reason to limit time with certain people, the negativity. Sometimes they don't realize they're that way. In reality, a lot of times they don't realize they're that way. Um, It has taken years, but I've gotten to the point where you're talking about being happy in almost all circumstances, and I've noticed that others tend to notice the vibe too, and sometimes that annoying, I become that annoying, happy person, but it's a daily choice. You know, the reason why it's class as annoying is because you're in a different frequency than they are. You know, it's just as annoying for a happy, stable person to be around someone negative all the time. And it's not necessarily that either one of you are, you know, necessarily in the wrong. It's just in the fact that you guys aren't vibing. You're not in the same frequency. You know, you're not meshing together energy-wise. And, I, you know, I find it, you know, there's some people that you just can't. And it's not necessarily that they need to. Yeah. We have 20 seconds left. I just want to do a little identification before we go off. Thank you so much for being our our survivor professional. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Scan, Stop Child Abuse, now the radio show, 3179. Love Talk Radio.